Greetings, listeners, and a good present moment to you. Welcome back to Self-Assembly. I'm your host, Zach Kusan, and today we have made it to our final episode on death. If you've stuck with us thus far, thank you and congratulations. I know these conversations aren't exactly the most uplifting or quote-unquote fun to listen to all the time, but I do hope that through listening to them, this thing that I've been calling the great inevitability, the fact that you and every single living organism that you care about is eventually going to leave this existence, has become a little more normal, I guess is the right word. Look, I know this shit's scary. And unless religion is a part of your daily practice, you likely aren't really facing this in any kind of meaningful way until you're forced to. And when you're forced to face your own mortality and the mortality of others in that kind of way, it can be traumatizing. You're left with questions that you never really have a good answer for. You're left with an empty feeling in your heart and soul, a wound that never really fully heals. And I'm not saying that just by listening to this podcast, it's going to make the process of dying any easier. But my hope is that if you stuck with us and made it this far, that you'll at least have a little less fear surrounding it. Because if we as a culture can start to pick apart this fear and move through life with the acknowledgement that we're all on this insane journey together, that when someone dies, there are so many others connected to that person that have to reassemble the very nature of their being, maybe we can all live life with just a little more empathy and we can move through life as more of a collective. For our final conversation on death, we're speaking with the person who's taught me the most about it. Back in the summer of 2020, she lost two people in her family that were extremely close to her in a matter of weeks. It was the first time that I had been a part of the experience of losing someone suddenly, and I could feel it stretching and molding the nature of my own humanity. Despite all she's been through, she's still a beautiful, kind, empathetic soul that I love more than anything else in the world. She's my fiance and has been my life partner for the last eight years. Please, everyone, give a warm welcome to Self-Assembly, Shannon Davis. finally got you on the show <laughs> my first question for you is is how did i ever get you to agree to do this <laughs> <That's>, oh, no. <laughs> that's a great question <laughs> um i i really appreciate you doing this i um you know you you were really the the impetus for me wanting to do these series of conversations on death um because of you know, something pretty traumatic and terrible that we both went through that had to, that happened to your family during the kind of first major wave of the pandemic um, in 2020. But even before then, you have always been someone that I've known to, um, you have a lot of experience with this, this being this being death. Um, I, I don't know. I almost added the qualifier, unfortunately, which I think still stands. But at the same time, I also feel like in a way 
you, because your family is so big and so interconnected, it's sort of just a, you're also close, right? And so it's just kind of a naturally, the bigger your family is and the closer you are to that family, when people leave us, they leave more frequently in a big family. Um, and so those kind of moments just happen more frequently where you sort of are faced with this great inevitability that we'll all leave this experience at some point. Um, and I'm wondering if we could just start off maybe by talking about sort of the first time you experienced this um like when was the first time you remembered experiencing a loss like that and one that you know kind of made you really think about oh this thing this thing ends at some point Mm. i think those are you know, and listening to you ask that question, there are a couple of different points that came up in my mind because to your point, I have experienced losing people in a lot of different ways. And I think it's different the first time that I remember death happening, the first time that it registered that this will happen to me, the first time that it happened to someone who I was very close to. Like those are all different first. Um, I think the first time that I can actively remember a death happening was when my great grandmother died. I might've been maybe four or five. And we went down to my family's, you know, like our homeland down in, in South Carolina, down in the low country. And I don't remember if it was approaching that time of my grandmother's passing. And that was why we were down there. I think that might've been what happened, but obviously I was very young. Um, but you know, I remember my grandmother being in the room as her mother was passing. I, you know, have memories of my great grandmother. And I think at that point I didn't, I was too young to really process what was happening. I just knew that it was something big. It was something that people were feeling a lot of hurt during, um, like it was a sad and very serious moment, but that would have been my first memorable intersection with death. But since then I've lost a lot of people, both within my family, friends of the family. You know, I, I am blessed that I have a lot of people in my life even, I guess, even outside of my family, but family friends that are very close to me that even function as their family members, neighbors who were like grandparents to me who have passed away. Um, So each one of those, I guess each one of those moments, I, it it shapes you, you know, it, it changes who you are. It, makes you reflect on the fact that we're not always going to be here. Um, and I'm sorry. I know you, like I said, you, you, there are a lot of, I guess, memories that come up as you ask that question about deaths and births. Well, how, how does it, how does it change you? Oh, I mean, it, it changes 
I guess it just depends on the the time and how it how it happens. You know, each time is is different. Um, one memorable. Gosh, everything is memorable. Mm. So I had my godmother has her her mother. Her name was Big Al. Loved her. She is another person who is essentially like another grandmother to me. And she is someone who is always very spiritual, very religious, had a very deep love and connection with God and with Jesus. And even up into like her advanced age, she was always someone who was very active and full of energy and full of life. A person who you don't really expect is, is you know, you, you can't really imagine. You can't imagine. Yeah, them. you can't imagine life like these these integral members of your family. It's it's even though you know that life is finite, you, it's still almost impossible to picture a future, a, a vision without that person. Yeah. You know, you just have those you have those pillars in your life and it, it's hard to, you build so much of yourself around them yeah. and it's hard to imagine who you'll even be without them in your life. Yeah, exactly. And you know, with her, it, her passing was so sudden. And I think this is the passing that really had more of a, a, a very definitive shift for me and my perspective, my perspective of death and dying because I saw her one day in the week, she and my godmother came over to my mother, my mother's house and visited me and my grandmother and we were just talking and she was fine. And then a couple of days later, she had a heart attack and she afterwards wasn't conscious for a bit after, afterwards she was in the hospital. And so my mom and my grandmother and I went to go visit her on the day that she had kind of come to and we spoke with her and I remember her saying after we had spent some time with her uh, that she wasn't going to be there in another couple of days. My mom said we were going to visit her. We're going to come back. And we're going to see you soon. And she said, I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be in my own bed. And shortly after that, maybe a day afterwards, she died. You know, it might have been a day or two, but I think that was the first time that I really realize that at any point this can be over that you can lose someone um and you never know and and it's not to be I guess doom and gloom but you really don't know when your last day is going to be and so it's important to keep that in mind and so hold people close and to be present and cherish it, cherish the moments that you have with people because you don't want to operate in fear. Operating in fear takes you out of the present, but you absolutely want to savor those times that you have with people who you love. Why do you think that we, why is it so hard to keep that, that idea with you? from on from day to day because i think that in those moments when you do have that realization and you do start to have that real you know you 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 have this this energy within you that kind of starts to come to the surface a little bit and you do start to appreciate life 
because you've experienced a death, especially a sudden death. But why do you think it, it's it's so hard to to keep that? Because because it wanes over time, right? I, I I've noticed that too. Um, just you you experience moments, and even if it's not directly someone dying, it it's it's a health diagnosis. It's it can be any number of things. But we we're faced in life with so many of these moments where we realize how precious it is but it often wanes and you you do start to kind of just get caught up in whatever separate thing whatever whatever like day-to-day thing we do that is this just sort of manufactured things that we've all collectively decided that human beings are supposed to be doing right everything we do in our day-to-day and we often are not carrying this recognition and this awareness of how precious being alive is and and sharing this experience with everyone um like why do you think that's that's so hard to maintain when you experience it i think part of it a a big part of it for a lot of people is fear it's something that we don't want to talk about you know um one of the things that I think people should think about is ultimately death is the one thing that's going to unite all of us. We are all born and we're all going to die. It's an experience that we all share, but it's such a, a massive thing to comprehend that one day this and everything around us, it, it, it won't be. And it's frightening, I think, for a lot of people. It's the big unknown. And so it's easy to sort of push it to the back, especially if you are fortunate to not have experienced it a lot in your personal life. It's easy to push it by the wayside and not really think about it because it's not an active event or like a very, it's not something that has... I guess, impacted you in, in that way, you know? But once you, or at least in my experience, having had a lot of loss in my life, like you were saying, because I have a very large family, you kind of get to a point where it's it's a reoccurring reminder, you know? My grandmother was one of 11 children and each one of those children in turn had a lot of other children, you know? And so there was one point with my family where we were having funerals sometimes several times a year that we would go down to South Carolina and have to, you know, bury folks. And so we have that constant, that constant touch point of you got to love people while they're here. You got to appreciate people while they're here. But going back to your point, I think it's fear. I think it's fear of thinking about one day you're one day things will be i don't want to say different i don't know well it's this this weird thing right because there's so much fear of the unknown surrounding it we people always fear what they don't understand what they can't be certain of and despite the fact that we've been 
doing this thing as long as life itself has existed even before life itself has existed you, you suns stars are are born and and they die and when stars die they create this this black hole vortex that literally warps time and space you know um but we still despite that fact that we've been doing it forever we we can't just live in the acceptance of the unknown we we don't um very often i feel like we don't approach it from a place of curiosity and and a desire to learn and understand more about it we do just sort of in a lot of cases whether it's consciously or subconsciously we 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 push things down we we don't we don't face it very much um and I mean, in your situation, you've effectively been forced to face it a lot more than 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 your average person. And I guess this this probably seems like a, a silly question, maybe. But does do you ever find that it's does it ever get easier? <laughs> mm. I think you become better able to navigate the space i think easier i i wouldn't say easier but i think you get a better understanding that this is life and this is the consequence or the trade-off and i say consequence because you can have positive consequences you can have negative consequences the consequence is just a thing but it's just what happens when you live and the longer you live, the more that you go through it. Um, and the more that you experience anything, the more you understand this is how I deal with it. This is what has to happen, you know? Um, I mean, heck, even when I lost my uncle and my grandmother, you know, we buried my uncle and then went to the same funeral home <laughs> like two weeks later so your your uncle and and your grandmother um we lost them the summer of 2020 that first year of the pandemic and i think it was so that's when everything really kind of became real because for so long it was just this thing that was on the news and you knew people were dying from it but i think that there was this sort of there was so much absurdity around what the world was going through you know like it, and everyone kind of just had their own isolated experiences but i think that we lost your your uncle first and then very shortly after we effectively found out that several members of the family, including ourselves, had gotten COVID, one of which was your grandmother. And so she ended up in the hospital and unfortunately lost that battle. So this, the matriarch of your family, this beautiful, amazing woman, <laughs> lost her own son and then left us 
shortly after very shortly after in, in, a, in a matter of weeks so it was this like I mean the fact that you are even able to maintain half of the happiness and and the joy and the beautiful spirit that you still have within you is I, I don't know how you do it to be honest with you um and I don't want to say that you know your experiences with it prepared you for it because that's because you how can you be prepared for that no one can it doesn't matter how much you've experienced it. A, a thing like that is, is is nothing that you can be prepared for. Um, so I guess just what what was that like? I mean, what to to lose so many integral members of your family, and then you also, even while it was happening, you couldn't even really take a moment to to process what was going on because we we were having all these tough experiences with the hospital and you had to effectively put yourself aside and actively work to fight for the situation that you were currently currently in um and I mean, this, this process, this, this was months that we were, we were going through this. I mean, can you remember like a, a tougher experience in your life? Definitely not. <laughs> um, no, definitely not. Um, you know, I think part of my strength and that comes from the fact that a big, a huge part of that is being raised in the family that I was raised in. My grandmother was such a strong woman and she was one of 11. She is one of the ones who is still or was still there. She's lost a lot of siblings since then and even though siblings have buried daughters and sons, you know, and so she is someone who knew how to deal with death. And I remember my grandmother was very much so a person when it came to death and, and you know, funerals. It's like that person is gone. Regardless of, you know, what you feel what you wish you could change that you can't change the fact that they are gone. And so you kind of have to, you know, move accordingly. And I think that, I don't know, that strength and knowing that like, even though this person isn't here, there are still things that you have to do. And I think I kind of approached that in the same way. My grandmother was sick and in the hospital and I was raised with my grandmother and my mother. And even though it was hard for me, I knew that it was infinitely harder for my mom who lived in the house with my grandmother and my uncles. Um, and my other uncle was still sick in the hospital too, you know? And so I felt, 
I, I knew that I had to be there and support her. And I think that was the catalyst or the thing that often caught me out of bed in the morning, because as much as I didn't want to, I don't even want to say didn't want to, I obviously wanted to be there. I wanted to support. I wish I could have gone to the hospital and supported my grandmother and, you know, held her hand and, you know, I guess just made her period of transition more comfortable. Um, I, I had to do what I could from there for my mother because I knew how overwhelming and massive of an experience this was for her. So I wake up in the morning still, you know, we'd still be sick from COVID. And thank God we have friends and people that would also come and support us during that time. Like my best friend, Krista sent food to the house and I mean, friends and flowers and called and and friends that were in, in medical professions helped us navigate and understand what was going on with my grandmother while we couldn't be there in the hospital. You know, I think all of those things came together and made it more bearable to deal with. And I know that there's, you know, saying that God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And I think that that was certainly one of those situations. But I was also, my family was also uplifted by the friends that we have, you know, our support systems, other people who have gone through loss and know what it's like and, and know that even... I think sometimes, and it's not, it's not a fault of people, but people want to help. They just don't know how to help. And so when you're going through that loss, they'll ask you, you know, what do you need? What can I give you? Um, how can I support you during this time? And you honestly, you don't have words. You can't even think you're, you're, you're just trying to make it through the day to day. You're trying to make it through the hour to the next minute, you know, minute to minute some days. And so sometimes when people have gone through it and they just understand, Hey, I'm going to send you some food. Yeah. You don't have to worry about cooking. Right. You don't realize how big of a godsend and how much of a lift that provides you and how much weight that takes off of your shoulders when people just understand. Yeah. Um, one of our friends, when I was talking to her about what we were going through, um, and I apologize for bringing up, harry potter here but i I did i did think it was the analogy hadn't clicked with me um but in one of the books i don't know if it's the fourth or the fifth one um after they get off the train in the first handful of books there are these carriages that are being drawn oh the trestles and trestles yeah so you know you don't you just assume that they just lead themselves they just run automatically but Mm -hmm. in one of the books you find out that they're actually being pulled by these horses that kind of look like zombie horses really Mm -hmm. but you only see them if you've experienced if you Mm -hmm. only see them if you see someone you've seen someone that has died yeah um and it didn't click to me until she brought that up what a brilliant analogy that was because that that is what it feels like Mm -hmm. 
when you're in those moments and you're you're being supported it's you once you've experienced a loss like that there's just this this threshold that you cross that you can never go back you you know what it's like Mm -hmm. to to lose someone um and i think that's kind of that's kind of what it makes it also hard to even know how to support someone if you've Mm -hmm. never been through it yourself um i i know i personally was kind of going through a similar situation i i i found myself not sure what i should be doing with my emotion a little bit and i i had to ask you just very bluntly like what what do you need from me right now and as soon as you told me what you needed i i took that that role you know because i think <laughs> i come from a very emotional family and so there was part of me that that wanted to be very emotional and 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 cry and and mourn and and sob and and those moments certainly came but I think while we were going through it, n- n- realizing that that's not what you needed in that situation. Mm. And it was almost, I, I had to, I went through this internal battle w- within myself where I was asking myself, like, I'm not crying right now. Like, should I be crying? You know, it, <laughs> it, 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 was, it was very, um, it, was, it, it was strange, you know? And, and I think a lot of it was, um feeling the own like feeling my my own spirit grow as a result of going through this knowing that it was still it was still so painful it was still such a hard because i i was missing your uncle i was i was missing your grandmother i was I was feeling for you. I just wanted to take all of this, this pain and this, this sorrow away from you. But at the same time, um, that experience brought us all back to this very sacred place down in South Carolina. And and it was, it's such a, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm struggling to come up with the words for it right now because it is this deeply complicated experience where you are also, even though you're, you're grieving the loss of someone, you're also realizing how much love and connection there is with the rest of your family, mm. you know, and despite the fact that we were down there for a funeral, we, we still had effectively still kind of had like a bit of a party the day before. Right. And, and people were laughing and catching up. And of course we were, it was so horribly sad and tears were shed, but like just having that, having that there to to ground you just to know that everyone was going through that we were all experiencing the same loss we were all in this together no one was no one had to face it on their own mm. you know um yeah just like why 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 does your family have that like how <laughs> 
how do you is that something you have to intentionally build is it just always been there i i I just the process of grieving with your family felt so special and just it was cathartic it was it felt it felt real too Mm. it's it's such a clear you know you have your own family plot in a cemetery and the experience of it all felt so unique and special to your family. You know, it's not, it's not this process that's been developed by, you know, the, (laughs) the the funeral industrial complex or, or what have you, you know, it's, this is how we say goodbye to our loved ones. Yeah. You know, it is it is very special and i think when i when i think of it it's it's more of a celebration of life um and of course there is absolutely the mourning and you know the loss and my great aunt my grandmother's sister who they they were very close you know she thinks about my grandmother every single day you know that that missing and that longing is certainly still there but you know, where my family is from in in South Carolina is land that has been in our family for, you know, some quite some time. And the graveyard that you were talking about has family members, you know, graves that are dating back to, I mean, God, like, I mean, 1900, you know, that people have been there for a while and you can go there. And actually one of my family members, one of my cousins who came to my grandmother's funeral, she hadn't been down there before. And when she came, my family took her through each plot and was able to say, you know, that's your great aunt. This is the, this is your great grandmother. And, you know, you can connect all those dots. It's literally like a family tree mm-hmm. in that, in that space that you can visually see, you know, pay honor to. And, you know, even when we go down there, we, tend to the graves we you know brush off all of the leaves and put flowers there and it's still very much so like an active honoring process you know and i guess you asked about or or you mentioned how there's a lot of laughter um that it there's there's the morning side but then there's also that that joy i think it it reminds me of what i was saying about my grandmother's perspective about dying you know that person is they they've transitioned on um and so now all we can do or i don't want to say all we can do because that makes it seem i guess small but what we can do now is celebrate the positive memories, celebrate the laughter that they brought us. And I know for me, like with my grandmother and with my uncle, the relationship that I was very fortunate to have with them is one that we are very, 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 very close. They are some of the closest people to me in my life to the point that when situations happen, like right now, I can still hear their voices. I can still hear exactly how they would react or what they'd say or how they tease me about it. You know, you hear them, you hear them in like new situations currently happening. Yeah. Wow. So in a way it's not even like they're 
you know, they're, they're gone, especially because their impact on me is such that I can pick up on the things that I do and I say, or how I, you know, might cook things on the that I cook. <laughs> that is a result of them and how they raised me and what I saw from them. And so it still feels like they are there with me. And I think when we're in South Carolina, it's, it's the same thing. You know, we, we share stories about them, maybe stories that people didn't know or ones that maybe we all know that make us laugh that brings that person almost like back in the room in some ways. And then, you know, we get a, we get a lot of food right out of the water there in, in Beaufort. Um, we light fireworks, you know, it really is like, it's, it's a send off. It's a celebration. Do you believe that there is an actual part of that person that's still here with us something that maybe one day we can scientifically show maybe not but just from your own perspective on it when you hear your grandmother or your uncle laughing at something you're doing in that moment how do you what do you think is actually going on there? Is do you, do you like do you take a moment and and feel like oh man, you know, that's that's like their actual their spirit is 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 still here and mm-hmm. and I'm hearing it because their spirit is with me or do you think do you take a more like kind of grounded approach? Mm. You know, I guess I don't necessarily have a definitive answer for that i think from the scientific side i do think that there is a connection there you know as a as a woman when you are creating a child when you're pregnant and especially if you know when it's a woman every woman every girl is born with the eggs that they will use to then create their children. So when my grandmother was pregnant with my mother, my mother was formed with one of the eggs that would eventually become me. So I was connected with my grandmother even before I was born, you know? And so I think there's a part, I mean, there's, I think that type of connection that you have with, um, I guess with, with, with someone who comes before you, but from a spiritual perspective, I think that's something that I'm still finding my relationship to, you know, is it that I know my grandmother like that well, and that we were that close and that had that strong of a relationship that I just, I know her. I can, like, I mean, I still remember what my uncle's hair smells like, you know? And so to have that visceral of a memory of someone, maybe it's that that's coming back, but maybe it is also a spiritual connection. I think I don't have the, the answer. I don't, I don't know. 
I am still exploring it, but I think I just appreciate that it's something that I have and that person isn't just gone into the ether, but they still not only affect me, but also affect other people because I have the words of my grandmother. I have the words of my uncle. I still am that conduit and that connection to them. I think that's what's so beautiful about being being human and being able to you you guys actually have a pretty good documented history of a lot of the members of your family <laughs> and i think that is that is so so cool and it just it, it really speaks to what this experience of being a human being is you know because this however far back it can be traced as you were saying this person everyone had to make it through so much right we all had to so many people had to make it to this very specific moment in life to create this wonderful amazing human being sitting in front of me right now (laughs) and i i just i i find myself really reflecting on that with your family when i'm when i'm down there you see you see so many so many people and it's not even i can't even keep track of who's related to who or like how <laughs> you know it's it's hard it's legitimately hard for well, like i said she was one of 11 so right I mean, all those kids come together right and, i mean heck I, sometimes i still have to talk to my mom and be like okay so this person is this there this person talk, okay got it but seeing that and and seeing where we are now and and even for me just just having the opportunity to be in a space like that and to be able to have these experiences and and widen my own humanity feels like such a an honor truly and i i will forever be grateful to your family for accepting me the way that I am accepting me into this very, I keep using, I keep using the word sacred and maybe I'm, I'm overusing it, but that's, <laughs> but it, it is, it, it feels sacred to me. The it's sacred to us too. Yeah. What, what is that? What can you explain? Like what, what, what is a sacred place? Why does it feel sacred? I'm only asking you because I am failing to come up <laughs> with the words. Sure. So I'm going to, I'm going to pass to you sure, <laughs> if you don't sure. mind. Um, <laughs> it's sacred to me because I think that in America and you know, it's not speaking for everybody. There are absolutely places where people can say that this was, you know, my grandmother's, home or my great grandmother's home it's still like in the family but with my family in particular especially like being Gullah we have a culture of taking our kids and and bringing them back to the low country so that they can be connected with that heritage and where you know we came from um I guess there's still that that 
very strong, there's a strong cultural connection and an active intention to make sure that we, um, that people know this, this space and this land that we came from. And I remember, um, you know, one of my family members was saying how, uh, the river that's behind my family's property, how it fed the family, that land that the houses are on, you know, they grew the food that they ate on that and they fish and they caught crab and, and all sorts of things out of that water. Um, so I think that there's a much more in-depth connection with the land itself. I think that makes it sacred. It's not just something that we bought and just plopped a house on, but it has, I mean, people cultivated and tilled that that, that land, you know? They're real memories. Yeah. There, there's real energy that, yeah. that has been on that exact spot of land mm-hmm. for, for generations, centuries. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I think, I think that that is what makes it sacred. And, you know, we, my cousin and I, we always call it like our happy place and that regardless of whatever is going on, there's a comfort to going back to South Carolina. Um, the minute that you get there and you, we go out to the dock and we sit on the water and you watch the sunrise or you watch the sunset, there's a peace that comes with that. And, you know, I guess you talked about, you, you asked me if it ever gets easier. I know one of the hardest parts for me with every funeral is that moment when the person is being like interred, lowered into the ground. And when I was a kid, it was really, really hard because I felt like, I don't know, we were leaving that person. And I hated that, that feeling of, putting them into the ground and then, you know, walking away. But having my, my family, having a cemetery, having that place that ultimately I think it's, it's uh, an understanding almost that, you know, we're all going to go back there. That's where we'll all be whenever it is our time. There's a comfort, I guess, in that, you know, I didn't feel like, when my grandmother and my uncle were buried, that same fear of when I was a little kid of leaving them because they're, you know, she's right next to her mother and her siblings and other cousins. And, you know, they're surrounded. I guess it's, yeah. I don't know. Your family's... They're always there. Yeah, they're always there. It's <sighs> It's so um I just I I wish that more people had that kind of experience with it um i wish that i wish that this process felt more sacred to everyone yeah because culturally it it feels like we have a really hard time with it still Mm -hmm. you know 
I think that we were talking about this a little bit earlier before we started rolling, but it is, death is in, it's so much a part of our culture. It, it is baked into so many aspects of our, our media. You know, we, we, we see it every day. Mm-hmm. Every day you, you read an article about someone <laughs> that's died yeah or you play a video game and you kill characters this this game that we're playing right now literally like <laughs> even, hades yeah playing hades, you you beat the game you you clear the the run and your character dies every single time it's it's it's, it's he's died hundreds of times he's died hundreds yeah. at this point. it's part of the game yeah um and so i guess if you were to design your kind of perfect my death, not your death. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. Maybe maybe we'll do a follow up episode. Maybe when we're, we're a lot older, <laughs> we can have an honest conversation about how you but, want to go. Do no. you? Well, actually, that's a good question though. Do Do you think about that? Absolutely. Yeah. How, tell me about that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> put me on the spot. <laughs> but no, I do. I I truly do believe in what I said in the beginning where it's going to happen to all of us. And I think we all hope that it will be when we are 105, surrounded by our loved ones. Go in my sleep. Go in my sleep. The reality is, is that 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 isn't always the case. And so you have to you should or i i think that you should think about what it means to die and to die like with dignity or to go in the way that you want to go um you know i've I've told you we we've joked about this it's like i don't want to be in a coffin i don't want to be in a box i'm claustrophobic can't think of anything worse <laughs> even though i know it's not me in that box my, my spirit is gone off someplace else i know i don't want that and so having that conversation now i guess it's on the record <laughs> it's official it's official I will, I will not put you in a box, in a don't box put me in a box. <laughs> um but i think it's important to have like you know those conversations so people know what it is that you that you want um so i do think about that i know that if it were to come to a point where I were not responsive, you know, I wouldn't want to be kept here artificially in the hopes that I might come back, you know? Um, And I think that an important part about doing that is, you know, having like an advanced directive that legally lists out those things that you want or that you don't want. But yeah, I mean, the, the, I, I do think about that. I do think about dying, how I would want to die, how I would want my remains to be taken care of. You know. I think it also thinking, keeping that not in mind, cause it's not like I think about dying all of the time, but it changes how I live on a daily basis as well, because I know that the time that I have is, it's finite 
And so how am I living in a way that maximizes that time that I'm here? Because I don't, it, it could be tomorrow. It could be five years from now. It could be 20 years from now. I hope it, that it's a lot longer than that, but I don't know. And so at the end of the day, I have to be the one that is comfortable and embracing the way that I live now so that whenever that time comes, I can go untethered. Do you still fear death? Oh, for sure. You know, especially because I'm still reconciling what I think comes after death. But I know that it's also, it's inevitable. So I can't, I can't act as if it's not going to happen. Do you think that that's a lot of what we're doing right now? We being American culture. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it even, it depends even within, you know, the culture that you're talking about and who you're talking to, you know, um, I talked about my, my godmother's mother, Big Al. And when we went to her funeral after she passed, I have never gone to a funeral where there has been that much laughter, you know, even in the church and the pastor talking about her and how she's like, I said, she's very religious. And so she was someone who, when you sat down with her, she could spend hours talking about Jesus and how much she loved him. And they, they told a story about how they went, I think to Petersburg, the church went on a trip and she talked from, Portsmouth, Virginia, all the way to Petersburg and probably there and back and the whole church just like erupted in laughter, you know, because we, we all knew that about her, you know? And I remember the uh, pastor saying, now she's gone to a place where she can talk all day. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she can talk as long as she wants. Okay, pastor. (laughs) But no, but you know, in all seriousness, she's totally, when you look at I guess eternity and you have a concept of, you know, of heaven like that, where it is a place where you can make a joyful noise and you can make that noise all day long. You can be who you are and you are in a place that is full of love. You know, it's, it's, that is something to look forward to. You know, that's why she said she wasn't going to be here when we went to go visit her. She was going to be in her own bed. She was going to be with the God who she loved so much. And so there's a positivity and a looking forward to that. It's not really a fear in that way. Yeah. I mean, do you think that that's something that certainly if you have a very strong spiritual religious background, I I feel like at the core of it, most religions and, and spiritualities are, effectively it's it's a it's a preparation for that yeah right it it's it's not quote unquote the answer necessarily um but maybe for some people it is i think there's i think there's there's a lot of there's a lot to be said about reaching these moments in your life with that certainty that they are going to heaven that they are going to this place beyond. And when it's my time, I'm going to join them. Um, it, like, 
I mean, how does that... trying to i'm trying to phrase my question here i had i had, I had a good one i promise <laughs> we're thinking about very deep stuff <laughs> but i guess i guess like why does why does having such a strong spirituality make it easier i guess not easier but why why does having that better prepare you and is there can you be prepared without that background you know what i, I mean think so i think in my mind, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of a book that I read after my grandmother and my uncle passed um, because I was kind of going through a point of reconciling what is my relationship with them now that they have transitioned. And I, re- I remember reading a book. It's called From Here to Eternity, and it's written by a woman who is a mortician and she goes to all of these different cultures she goes to japan she goes to indonesia um, and she talks to them about what their practices with death are and i i don't remember exactly what country and specific culture it was but i remember one culture she talks about uh you know they keep the family member's body in the house with them there's a certain point where they take the body and then they move it to its own house but she explains how one person like they they never met I believe it was it was either their uncle or their grandfather when he was still alive Mm. he his entire interaction with him was when this person is is dead and the body is you know in in the home um and so I bring that up to say I think that it's less about what you believe in the after uh, about the afterlife to me to find comfort with it, but it's having a belief in something and feeling comfortable with that. You know, if you believe that there is nothing after this, it's all, you know, fade to black. Um, but you understand that then you may just have peace with maximizing your time here on earth and making it the best that it possibly can be before it cuts to black, you know, before you transition. So I think it's really more about exploring self and what it is that you believe and being comfortable with that and then living your life accordingly. What are some ways that people can do that outside of having to experience it the hard way? Mm. I mean, having conversations, I think, with people who have navigated that, um, I think it's also the beneficial, uh, the beneficial aspect of, you know, religious groups like going to church and having spiritual collectives where you talk about what's beyond this, but making it sort of like a cultivating not just like your mind, your body, but your spirit, but growing in in that way and talking to people who are maybe further along whatever path it is that you're walking, who have more touch points with that so that you can learn. Um, and, you know, I, I, I see it and I felt that with other friends, <laughs> you know, when, when they have gone through loss, I know that there are certain things that might be 
common for people to say or do because yeah. they haven't experienced it. I'm sorry. Is... Yeah, it's like me too. I, I'm sorry too that this that, person is not here. If there, if there was ever a statement on how bad we are at handling this, it's the fact that all we have to say, not all we have to say, but the first thing that we say to someone who's experiencing loss is, is I'm so sorry. Yeah. And it, it never, it just, it always feels like you can't help but say it, but it feels so just not empty because it's not empty. There, There is real emotion and, and real support within those words, but it just feels like it's like trying to describe a color that doesn't exist. Yeah. Describe a color you've never seen. You, 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 I want to say so much more, but the English language literally doesn't, we don't have the words. Yeah. We, we don't have the, we don't have the fucking words to explain and, and like be there for someone or articulate it. You know, I think, I think we do have the words, but it's harder to, it's hard to express, I think, in part because, it, you know, unless you've gone through it, it's not something that we tend to talk about or is, you know, that active part of our lives, you know, as, as we were kind of talking about earlier. I think that people say that because they feel they feel badly for you. And sometimes I think people wish that they could do something. They want to do something about the fact that you're going through something like that. And the reality of it is, is that what they can do is kind of limited in a way. Right. Right. You have to go through the processes and the stages of grief. There's no shortcut to it. And some days you have days where you're okay. And some days you have something that reminds you of someone and it sends you into that place where you're crying and you're mournful and you feel like that pain and that wound open up all over again. You know, I think it's kind of like a scar. It's always there, but with time it sort of gets, it gets lighter. You get more used to, to having it. And so when people say, I'm sorry, I don't really dig into it or, you know, I don't, I don't take it negatively. I understand it's, it's them expressing empathy for my situation. Um, One thing that I do struggle with, I think a little bit more uh, is, is, you know, they're in a better place. (laughs) That, that is, that's a rough thing to hear sometimes. Um, just because when I think you're very fresh in, in grieving, even if you do believe that you still, it, it doesn't change the fact that you wish that that person was there with you now. And one of my cousins said that about, you know, my grandmother, it's like, I, you know, even though she was in her, her nineties, I feel like my grandmother should be here with me, you know? And so when you say they're, they're in a better place, I think it, it, I don't have the right word for it, but it brushes over the fact that it's still a very fresh, visceral yeah. wound that yeah. you're still healing. Well, and and that speaks to just how how much we don't address this in culture, right? Because I mean, 
that person says that with the best of intentions they don't they don't mean to glass over it in that moment they're trying to make you feel better they see that you're sad and 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 they maybe misdiagnose the exact place of of your sadness and where it's coming from and they tell you oh they're in a better place you know don't be you don't have to be as as sad but you know we we have all these kind of these are the things you say when someone yeah, dies, open, right? open the grieving book. Yeah. <laughs> right. Turn, turn to, turn to, to page six. And here's yeah. all the things to say to someone who, who is dealing with loss. Um, and <laughs> they don't work often, right? Not, maybe they do sometimes. And, and maybe people do take solace in the idea that, as you said, that they are quote unquote in a better place. Um, but, it, it, when you hear those things it, it does sort of it, it can have the feeling of you know you you don't quite know what i'm going through right no. now um which is going through this with you uh i i really learned the power of just being there words cannot fully describe what this is um yeah you you hear about people that have had near-death experiences and have gone to some other place you know and the one thing that they that most of them say is that words i I literally cannot describe to you what i experienced and that's the same for the people that are going through it it's such a visceral just it's it's burning on you it's like you you feel it within Mm. the the deepest confines of your heart and your your spirit there's not even you you feel it everywhere but there's no one spot you can even pinpoint there's no it's just this such deep visceral pain and growth right because it is growth at the same time you do come on the other end of these situations and now you are much better equipped to as you say help others get through this crazy experience of, of being a person yeah and it's affected how you live your own life yeah and I think that that is just, I will forever admire you for how you came through this and for who you are and how you were able to just be so strong for your family and your friends. And I just, you're, you're the bravest, strongest person (laughs) I know. And I just, I love you so much. I love you too. And, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I, I try to take in all of that. Cause you know, I just feel like I'm, I feel like I'm not doing anything that's that special. <laughs> you know, that's why I, 
I don't know. I just try to empathize with people where they're at and where they, you know, having gone through it, I know what it's like to go through it. And so I just want to support people when they're going through it too. And I think that also by nature of the type of work that I've done, which we've talked about before is a lot of working in, in, in the public health space. It's, it's a lot of thinking about sickness and, and death and how to prevent that. And so it's something that I think my brain and my experience has also uniquely positioned me to think a bit differently about and be more decisive when in those moments and think about logistically the things that need to be done. And, you know, even when you are going through the process of like losing someone, there's more than just like the grief, right? Because then you have to deal with the funeral, huh? We got to pick a casket. We got to figure out. There's so many just logistics. There's logistics. There's a lot of logistics. And you just said goodbye to a loved one. Yeah. You, you really haven't even said goodbye to right. him yet. You kind of do it several times because it's like it's when it happens right. and then you got to prepare the body, you got to pick out the clothes and then, you know, make decisions about the funeral. You have to bury them. And then not only after you bury them, you still have to deal, you have to deal with the stuff. You got to, okay, what would they want to have done with their things and their estate? Like there's a lot of things that come with it. And so, yeah, I think that I, through my experience with my family, through my experience with work, I think I have just come to a place where I accept death for what it is. Um, and, you know, I don't necessarily feel like I'm I'm doing anything like really, really special, but if my experience can help other people better navigate it than you know i just do what i can i'm gonna ask you a pretty unfair question but i'm i'm curious to just hear how you handle it um what is what is a simple thing that someone um who is experiencing a loss about to experience a loss or supporting someone who is experiencing a loss what is like if you had to boil down kind of a lot of what we're talking about into something just very simple that the audience can take with them, what would you say? You know, It's it's an interesting question because I think that the grieving process looks different for everybody. For some people, they need to sit and take the time to really grieve and maybe be alone. For some people, they need to be angry. For some people, they might need to put themselves like into work and they can't really deal with it when it's fresh and when it happens. So... I think one thing is to really like know yourself and what your needs are. And if you're supporting someone, think about like that person. Don't just think about what can I say to diffuse the sadness? Cause I even think as, as a culture, we yeah. tend to 
not want to deal with negative emotions like sadness or anxiety or depression we just you know we it's all yeah it's almost as if we just don't want to acknowledge that that is an integral part of being a human being it happens it's gonna it happens to to all of us you know um so i think it's letting that person express the feelings that they need to express if you are going through it like don't try to like suppress those feelings let they come let them come and embrace them for what they are and be kind with yourself know that they'll you'll have up days and you'll have down days and six months later when you think that you should be past it you might have a day that feels like it's a setback but it's not it's just grieving and it's a roller coaster and it can be unpredictable um you know not rushing yourself not rushing yourself and going through the process of grieving and then you know thinking about if you're supporting someone what would that person specifically need um, you know, don't necessarily think generally, but, you know, maybe there's something that, you know, will always put a smile on that person's face just by nature of like your relationship. But yeah, thinking about what that person specifically needs, um, and some things that can help might also be things that just help them make it through the day, um, preparing a meal for them so they don't that they don't have to cook because a lot of times the last thing you're thinking about when you're grieving is yourself you're thinking about all the things that need to be done you're thinking about your family members and supporting them um so things that can help make existing on a day-to-day easier thank you baby you're welcome i really really appreciate you and everything that you've been willing to share today. I know it's not easy. I know it's a journey that you're still on that both of us are going to be on until our time comes. Um, But I just really want you to know how much I appreciate you being brave and having this conversation with me and sharing it with, whoever's out there listening. Um, You're amazing. And I love you so much. Thank you. That was Shannon Davis, y'all. Thank you. Thank you so much, hon, for being on the show. I love you more than I could ever explain with words. And thank you again so much for listening, everyone. Thank you for being with us on this journey. I know it wasn't always easy, but the easy way in life doesn't often lead you to the path of fulfillment, wisdom, and understanding. We need to stretch ourselves, challenge what we believe, entertain the seemingly impossible, and always, always push humanity forward. I want to give one more massive thank you to everyone who was a guest on the show for this series of conversations. You are all beautiful, beautiful human beings, and the world is so much better because of your presence. I love each and every one of you who's listening, and I cannot wait to bring you more conversations that expand your understanding of the reality in which you exist. 
Peace out for now. We'll be back in two weeks with journalist and the host of the podcast Serum, Grant Hill. I will catch you then. Thanks, guys.